Podcast Answer Man, episode number 124. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and today I have a full episode packed with lots of information. We're going to talk about more comments and thoughts on podcasting patents, soundboard for the Mac, MP3 encoders, and enhanced podcast, and a whole lot more. All of that right now. Well, everybody, welcome back to this episode of the Podcast Answer Man. And to be honest with you, I really don't even have time to just shoot the breeze and just say hello and, and say all the kinds of things that I would normally say to kind of stretch out my time here today. As I'm recording live in front of an internet audience, I do this every Thursday from 9 o'clock in the morning till 5 o'clock in the evening. And I encourage you sometime, if you, don't, uh, if you have never done so, at least one Thursday, stop by sometime between 9 to 5 on uh, Eastern Time on Thursdays. We'd love to have you just check out and see how things uh, go here. It's, it's a lot of fun seeing all the folks in the chat room, interacting with people, getting live feedback in real time about the content that we're producing. It, it is just a huge blast. The community and relationships that are being built are, is amazing to watch. And uh, so I encourage you to do that. However, today I just have so much to cover and I'm not even sure I'll be able to get to everything, but I'm going to try and I'm going to try to do it all within an hour or less. And so to start things off, we're going to start with a voicemail from a client of mine. His name is David Darling and this is what he had to say. Hi Cliff, this is David Darling from Greenville, South Carolina, calling the podcast Answer Man. And I just want you to know that I published my third episode of the Flip Finder podcast show, and everything's going great. And I have some questions for you, but before that, I want to thank you and let everybody know that the consulting work I did with you uh, was worth every penny. You saved me a lot of time and a lot of headaches, and I really appreciate it. And the equipment you sold me works fine and does everything that you said it would do. So I really appreciate uh, all you're doing for us, uh, for the podcasting community. I do have a few questions for you. Um, uh, we have we went over a lot of things when we did our two and a half or three hours worth of consulting. And, uh, and uh, my first question is, how do I do a podcast summary for my iTunes page? When I go to my iTunes page, the podcast summary part is blank, and I want to fill that in. So that's question number one. Question number two is tell me if I have this straight. Uh, Libsyn stores my MP3 files. FeedBurner checks the Libsyn for new content. And WordPress is my website for my podcast. And GoDaddy, what is that used for? And my third and final question is, on your podcast, most answered, most requested podcast about putting an MP3 player on an HTML website, I understand choosing the player and the associated code, but how do I put it on the website? How do I physically or digitally go in there and add that code in? I don't quite understand that. And also, how do I attach that MP3 file to the um, uh, to the uh, M- the MP3 player that I just put on the website. So those are my three questions. 
I appreciate all you're doing for us, and thanks for all those great podcasts and uh, all your great advice. And uh, this is David Darling from the Flip Finder Podcast Show. And thanks again, Cliff. Looking forward to hearing the next show. All right, David, thank you so much for your audio feedback and uh, very excited to have you as a client. And I'm going to try to answer all three of your questions as uh, thoroughly as I possibly can. So starting off with the first question, how do I enter a description for my iTunes page? And I got to thinking to myself as he was leaving that question, I was listening to this, it's like, how did I leave that out? But I do remember this. And in fact, there are often times when I'm working with a consulting client and we're setting up their, you know, we're setting up their website, we're setting up their iTunes feeds and their feed burner feeds and all these other things. And really the only thing they have off the top of their head is really just the name of their podcast. They know what they want a podcast about and they know the name of their podcast, but they haven't really gone through and thought about the details such as, okay, if you were to describe this in a paragraph or two, preferably one paragraph, uh, five, six sentences, how would you describe what this podcast is about? And and general, generally, you know, I'm working out of an either a one and a half hour or two hour uh, time frame of building an entire website, configuring it for podcasting, submitting, you know, creating a feed burner feed and putting in feed burner and then showing them how to effectively use this. Uh, so coming up and saying, hey, let's brainstorm for 25 minutes about a description or a tagline for your for your podcast it that's probably not the best use of you know you're paying me you know for the consulting hours of your time you, that's something you can do later and so i always tell my clients in that situation you know we're just going to leave this part blank we'll still get you into itunes and this is something that can be updated very easily down the road and so how do you enter that description to itunes and i think you said you know i don't even have a login for itunes uh, and and you don't. You there is no login for iTunes. In fact, all you do, uh, iTunes. And this is something that I've been um, finding that a lot of people aren't quite understanding in in the field of podcasting when it comes to iTunes. A lot of ple- people believe that you are actually uploading your content into iTunes, and that is not the case. It, the way that I tried, I think the easiest way to get my clients to wrap their minds around what what uh, iTunes is is it's just a directory. Uh, it's no different in my mind than uh, the yellow pages. You know, you you put your listing uh, for your business in the yellow pages, and whatever you whatever you provide to them, that's what they print. Uh, now, although, okay, how does that break down? And aren't you providing them something? Well, the answer is is actually. I don't actually have to go to Yellow Pages and say, you know, hey, you know, I have a business phone and and stuff like that, and and um, you know, I changed my phone number with the phone company. Now, if I'm paying for extra advertising in the Yellow Pages, sure, you have to say, okay, this is the graphic that I want you to use to display on three fourths of the page or whatever, however big of a spot that you have. But if you have a business phone. And, and stuff like that. Your, your phone number, you know, in the yellow pages, there should be a listing of, in small print, of just alphabetical listings for businesses. And, and they've got the name of the business and the phone number. And that's pretty much it. Sometimes they'll put the address in there. Well, that stuff's coming from a database coming from the phone company. And, and at least in the directories where the yellow pages is put together by the phone company. Uh, and they just pull it from the database, if you can imagine that. So really what happens here is that your RSS feed or your website is where you're placing your content. 
uh, or information about your newest show. And what iTunes is doing is they're they're nothing more than an RSS reader. They're actually seeing they're every few hours the iTunes store will look at your RSS feed to see if anything's changed. If there are changes, then those changes will be reflected in the in the directory listing. And it's and it's kind of neat because you know whereas if your yellow if you change your phone number with the phone company for your business. Well, guess what? The the paper yellow pages, they all stay the same until, you know, next year when they print a new edition of the yellow pages. Well, if you are just getting your standard free listing in the yellow pages because you have a business line, well, that when they print the new page uh, or the new edition of the yellow pages, then your new number will eventually show up. And But your old information is going to be in there until then. Or until they go in and reprocess that. And so this is where it becomes very, this is something that everybody should understand. When I release a new episode of Podcast Answer Man, episode number 124 here, as soon as I put it on the, on the website, it becomes immediately available to my listeners to download. However, I might sign in, let's just say I, I put it on the, in the feed right now, this very minute. I might check iTunes, go into iTunes, do a search for Podcast Answer Man, and I'll pull up my directly, directly, I can't talk, directory listing, and I look down at the bottom where it shows me the number of episodes, and it may only show me the most recent episodes up to episode number 123, and I released episode 124 two hours ago. Well, it is entirely possible that, you know, first of all, you can ping it's called pinging iTunes and telling it, say, hey, we've got new content. Please go look at the feed again. Trust me, don't even worry about that. Just let it happen naturally. And what happens is, you know, every two to four hours, something like that, depending on how backed up their servers are, they will go in and automatically check your feed. So sometime within four hours at the max, that usually, um, you sign in again, you look at the directory listing, and then all of a sudden there's episode 124. Um, so here, here's the thing though. Let's just say two hours ago, I released episode 124. I go in right now into iTunes and I do a search for podcast answer man. And it shows me in the listing at the bottom that the most recent episode is episode 123. Well, I say, you know what? I want to go ahead and subscribe to this. I click subscribe and what it's doing is it's not subscribing me to the amount of information that iTunes has. It's actually subscribing to me it's subscribing me to the actual feed of that I've provided such as either my feed burner feed or in some people's case their original feed from their site. And so if I click subscribe even though the iTunes store does not yet show 124 in their list when I click subscribe and it starts downloading the most recent episode, it will be downloading episode 124, okay? Now, if that's not working for you, then you it may be an additional problem that you might be having. In fact, I just had a call this week that turned into a rather nice uh, consulting job that I've been working on uh, from um, Sydney, Australia. Media Week Australia hired me to, to troubleshoot some issues that they've been having where none of their shows are showing up in iTunes. And it turns out that it's a result of a server issue where their servers are taking as lo- I mean, their SQL server database is taking as much as 27, sometimes 35 seconds to load uh, any PHP data from the database. And we've contacted their web host. Their web host says, ah, it's problems on your end. 
And I said, you know what? You can go back and forth. I'll show you how. Here's all the emails when I have this problem because I also use this host. And I'm not going to say bad about anybody, anything. So I'm not going to mention the names. But I said, yeah. He says, well, what about just moving to a different host? Because he did not want to go through all the steps that I have to go through every time that the same issue happens with the same host. So he says, what, you know, how much would it cost me to have you set me up on a different server or a different host and to reinstall everything? And by the way, I want you to do a whole new refreshed redesign and everything. And we did that. And, and that's why I've been so busy this week. I, I did a major project of uh, porting over 38 of their episodes and, and uh, redesigning a new site, installing it. And uh, had a lot of fun working for this client, and I, it's a lot of fun. Uh, the The design's not completely over, but uh, you'll be able to. Uh, it's all functional right now, and uh, we're just waiting for some iTunes uh, approval notifications to come through so we can delete their old shows. But you could head over to Media Week Podcasts plural Media Week Podcasts plural dot com. Actually, plural is not a part of the URL. It's just that there's an S at the end of the podcast. So mediaweekpodcasts.com. And the site's not completely done yet. Uh, I'm still waiting to uh, work with him to get the final tweaks on what we're going to do with the header and the sidebar and stuff like that. But um, a lot of fun. And in fact, he was my first client that I've ever actually had to work out 14-hour time differences between them and myself. And uh, as a as as a means of trying to make it as easy as possible for them, I've been working later at night, so it's afternoon when I'm working with them, uh, which has made for a lot of fun. But you know, this is what I do, and I really do enjoy it, and uh, very blessed. But anyway, so how do you fix this, David? Now that I've actually gone through this very long process, and 13 minutes later, the answer to the question for you, my friend, and this is applicable to him because he, I, I set him up through FeedBurner, and at the time he did not have the description. So here's what you do. Go to FeedBurner.com. Sign in with your Google account. Click on the name of your podcast and because and there's, there's going to be a list of feeds. Now, you only have one, so you just click on the name of your podcast. That's going to pull up your configuration dashboard for your FeedBurner feed. There's going to be a line of tabs. You want to click on the one that says Optimize. Once you click on the Optimize tab, you'll have a bunch of options on the left-hand side. You want to click on the button that says SmartCast. When you click on SmartCast on the right-hand side of the window, you're going to see all of your settings options for the description of your feed. There'll be the You'll have the ability to add a tagline. You'll have the ability to add keywords. You'll have the ability to add a description to your podcast. Now, also, in addition to that, um, if there's a little thing, a little check mark next to title slash description burner, click on that and also go ahead and put the description there. If that's not activated, ignore that step right there altogether. And of course, if you need some help with this, all you need to do is give me a call and we'll, we'll figure this out. We'll, get, we'll go in and do that for you real quick. Not a problem at all. Anyway, so that's where you add the description. And, of course, at the bottom of each of those screens, you click Save for any changes that you've made. And then you want to give iTunes up to 24 hours to reflect the changes. So give it about a day, and uh, about a day later, you should be able to go and do a search, and you'll see that the description that you've added to FeedBurner will now show up in the iTunes directory. And that's how that works. Second question you had is, uh, do I have this straight? You wanted to see if you were... You're wrapping your mind around all the different things that were going on. And the first thing you said is Libsyn stores the MP3 files. 
That is exactly correct. That is, that is where the MP3 files are living and existing on the web, on Libsyn servers. Then you said uh, FeedBurner checks Libsyn for new content. And that is, there's a little disconnect there. FeedBurner is not checking Libsyn at all. In fact, what you're doing is you're taking the file that you're hosting at Libsyn and you're putting it into your WordPress site. You're actually creating a link in your WordPress post. So it's kind of like you're doing a blog entry and you're creating a link to the MP3 file that is actually hosted on Libsyn. So what happens is when you do that and you post that, uh, doing a media enclosure, just like those step-by-step instructions that I gave you, uh, then what will happen is that that new file will show up in your RSS feed. And what happens is FeedBurner is actually going to check your WordPress RSS feed. And then it's going to pass that information on to anybody who looks at that FeedBurner feed. And so iTunes is then going to look at FeedBurner. And so so the diagram of how this would go is you upload the file to Libsyn. You make a link to that file and enclose it into the WordPress site, which puts it into the WordPress RSS feed. The WordPress RSS feed by itself does not contain the right formatting to show everything correctly in the iTunes store. So what we have done is we've taken the RSS feed from your WordPress site and we've said to FeedBurner, take this feed and change it so that it makes it work in iTunes perfectly. And then we took the FeedBurner feed and and said, here iTunes, this is what we want you to look to uh, when you're putting deciding what to put into the directory listing. Now, I, hopefully that made sense. If you go back and listen to it maybe two or three times, maybe that'll that'll go through. Uh, but that's that's kind of the step-by-step process that's happening there. And uh, so the next thing you said, so let me get this right. Uh, uh, let's see here. The WordPress is my website. Is that correct? And yes, the website pod, or the podcast uh, website is your WordPress site. And then you asked, what is GoDaddy? What, what, why did we set that up? And well, quite honestly, it, WordPress is just a piece of software, all right? And, and software needs to exist on a computer somewhere. And so GoDaddy's hosting account provides you a computer that you are sharing with a lot of other people, by the way. It's called Shared Web Hosting. And what we're doing is we, they gave you space on a certain computer in the the go or the certain the certain uh, web hosts computer systems, and we installed WordPress on that, and so you're paying for that hosting space is what you're paying for there for when you have GoDaddy. And then the third question you asked was embedding audio uh, players into HTML, and of course, if if you want to know what he's talking about there, this is what you want to do. Just go to, and I'm going to do this real quick so I make sure I get this right. Just go to podcast answerman.com and as I'm recording this today and of course I know that you might be listening to this 18 months down the road from now but at the time that I'm recording this on the right hand side you scroll down in the and the uh, sidebar and you'll eventually see like a live video stream and then there you might still see the chat room but there right now as I'm looking if you scroll down enough there's a place that says posts most often referred to and as I'm recording today again uh, number five in the list is called Embed Flash Audio Players on HTML Sites. If you click on that, 
then uh, basically what happens is it, it says, okay, maybe you're using an, a static HTML site, which I strongly urge you not to do. But if you're using a static HTML site and you want to encode either a single MP3 file as, an, as a flash embedded player, or if you want to take a playlist and make a playlist, you can do that as well. A little bit, I don't have the, the directions on that, but this one is definitely going to work for you for a single one. There are three different players with three different sets of code that you use. Now, before I explain to you how do you get that onto an HTML site, I want to answer the third part of the, you know, the part three of the third question that you have is how do, okay, so I get this code and I put it into this HTML site, but how I, how do I actually get, that's going to give me the player, but how do I tell it what MP3 file to play? Well, if you look at, and it's actually at podcastanswerman.com forward slash embed audio, one word, and in essence, if you look at that code in the gray box, you will see bold print. It's in bold print, and it says link hyphen to hyphen MP3. And so take that little bit of code out when you're copying and paste. You take link to your MP3 file out of that code, and it will actually say audio URL equals... And then in my, let's just say for something that I do all the time, HTTP colon slash slash GSPN dot TV forward slash test T-E-S-T dot MP3. And then it will and then, of course, there's no space between that and the actual quotation mark that's there. And, and so basically you take the words link to your MP3 out, put the link to your MP3 from Libsyn into that little piece of the code and uh, leaving all the the other code in place. And that's how that player knows to play that file. Now, how do you get that code into a static HTML page? Well, my, my friend, that one is completely dependent upon how you are creating your documents. If you use Dreamweaver, you would actually just go uh, into your program. You would click on the HTML tab so that you could actually see the code. You'd find the place in that code where you want to stick that player, and you just paste it in there. Uh, if you're using, uh, let's say, iWeb, you want to actually add a widget, an, a text widget or an HTML widget. Actually, I think it's an HTML widget. And that'll give you a little box and you can actually paste this code right in there and drag and drop that player wherever you want it to be. Um, there are sometimes I actually hand code. I still actually use a text editor to hand code and create HTML documents. And if you use that, you can actually take any .html file, open it up in the text editor, and you can find the place where you want to put the file or the code and place it in there, and that'll put it right in that spot for you. It That can be a little trickier. If you need some help with that, David, we could always set up another consulting call down the road with you know where you have a bunch of other questions, and I can help you get that squared away with no problem at all. Anyway, David, I hope that answers all three of your questions. Feel free to uh, let me know if you need some more things. All right, so moving along, uh, next up here we have a uh, some question, a question from or no, some comments from Will Brown. Uh, he put a comment on episode number one twenty three. Says, "Hey, I uh, basically he basically uh, was talking about the patent for podcasting, and he gave us a link to a blog titled a blog entry that was titled Fear and Trembling or Not." Uh, thoughts on Volo Media's podcasting patent, and it's by an IP attorney. Uh, easy for me to say without my voice 
you know, going out on me. Uh, Ernest Grumbles is his name. And uh, it was actually posted to the ADM blog or the Association for Downloadable Media. And it's an excellent thing. And it kind of reiterates or reconfirms or reaffirms what I was saying in the last episode of Podcast Answer Man, episode 123. And that is, I don't really think there's anything to lose sleep over here. Um, also, Steve Reichenberger sent me a link in an email to a post by the law offices of Stephen O'Donnell, who happens to be a PhD, and uh, it is titled, Scary Podcast Patent, Not That Scary. So this is two IP lawyers or attorneys who are saying this really isn't all that scary. And I'm going to link to both of those in the show notes of episode 124 here. So you can find that at podcastanswerman.com. However, here's the thing. Uh, I don't. I still don't see any reason why any of us in the podcast industry should lose any sleep. Uh, I encourage you to read those posts. I think they have a lot of valid, valid information. They'll set your mind at ease if it's not already. However, I just want to say because pretty much my entire career and in, in everything is based upon this, I am not by any stretch of the imagination ignoring this. And if you continue to find anything that you feel is relevant, please continue to forward that on. I love, I love to hear from you guys and it really helps me out in uh, keeping up to date on this stuff as well. All righty. Before I go on to the next few bits of uh, voice feedback, I do want to promote another show and um, and I'm going to try to do this on a regular basis because this is a podcast that if you love Podcast Answer Man, you definitely uh, are, will probably be interested in social media serenity. If you want to know how to really connect with others, how to use uh, Twitter, Facebook, Plurk, LinkedIn, how does how can you connect with people relationally? How can you do all those things without getting sucked into an addiction of checking your Facebook every, you know, for 20 minutes, an hour, all day long? How do you, you know, keep all these things organized and straight? And and how do you, how can you do all this and still pursue a balanced life and and really have some valuable things come out of your your interactions in the social media space? Well, that is Social Media Serenity. And you can find that podcast at socialmediaserenity.com. There are several episodes already out there for free, and it is one of our podcasts of the Generally Speaking Production Network, which is at gspn.tv, by the way. And uh, it's one where we give you at least one or two episodes a month for free, but we record it every week, and our Plus members over at gspn.tv forward slash plus get every single episode at a very, very affordable cost. And in fact, I think if you listen to Podcast Answer Man on a regular basis and you listen to Social Media Serenity, chances are you may find the value in the $10 a month to help support the content we're producing here on a regular basis. And so that's my little shameless, selfless plug for this episode. Next up, I'm going to give you two bits of audio feedback from two different people, and they're going to sound very similar because they're both talking about a software program for the Mac. And first up, we have Nick Padley, and he's from the, I believe, the In Between Sundays podcast. Hey, Cliff. This is Nick Padley from the In Between Sundays podcast calling you. And um, I just want to let you know, in case you were not aware, of a new piece of software that Ambrosia Software has come out with called Soundboard. And what it looks like to me, as far as I can tell, is a program very similar to Studio Rack on the PC where it's kind of like a punch board where you can just load in your clips that you're going to podcast with, assign them uh, key keys on your keyboard, 
and punch him and have him play. Uh, I know a, a number of podcasters who use Studio Rack on the PC to record and uh, could always use it to record into an H2 or something like that. Anyway, cool new piece of software, and uh, you can check it out by Googling for Ambrosia Software. And uh, right now it's uh, very prominent on their website. Thanks a lot for a great show, and we'll talk to you later. God bless. Thank you so much, Nick. Always glad to hear from you, my friend. And I also got another bit of feedback about Ambrosia's soundboard application, and this comes in from Lee, uh, formerly of the UK, but now over in Germany. So here's Lee's uh, comment. Hi, all. It's Lee Andrew from Germany this time. I found a nice piece of software, which I think would be interesting for the Mac users of the podcast Answerman audience. Soundboard from Ambrosia Software is a nice Mac solution for podcasters who need a sound effect, music cue, or a audio feedback tool. It is similar to Pod Producer, which I believe is what Cliff is using. So if anyone on the Mac side needed a really cool and reliable program, just like Pod Producer, this is finally it. While there are other Mac versions of this kind of software out there, none of them are as good looking and intuitive as Soundboard. My experience with this software is limited as I only had a few hours to try it. But from what I have seen so far, I believe this program is worth its money. There is a 30-day trial available on the Ambrosia website, and the price is US dollars If you have already Wiretap Studio and or Wiretap Anywhere from Ambrosia, you get 25% off, which brings the price down to $19. Now, unless I've failed badly in math, 25% from $29 equals $21.75 for me. But hey, I'm not going to complain paying less. If you are a podcaster, at least give it a try. I am sure you will like it. You can find it by visiting the following URL, www.ambrosiasw.com forward slash utilities forward slash soundboard. Enjoy. All right, Lee. Thank you so much for the feedback there. And, uh, you know, it is it does have a 30-day free trial. Unfortunately, I have not yet had the opportunity to download it and play with it. I have been extremely busy uh, and, and and which is a blessing, a true blessing, my friends. Thank you so much for all of you who are out there listening, who have been hiring me to work with you on consulting and have been buying equipment from me. You guys are really awesome, and uh, I appreciate it. I, I from the bottom of my heart, I thank each and every one of you. Uh, but with that, I've been working on some projects that have been taking a lot of time, so I have not yet had an opportunity to look at Soundboard. I am not a Mac person when it comes to production. I, as far as for audio, I believe everything done in video should be done on a Mac. Uh, but everything I do on audio has been done on the side of PCs. And yes, I do use podproducer.net is where you go find this program. And it's free. And it is so much more than just a quote-unquote program to queue up your audio clips, which that seems to be the primary function of Soundboard. Although, with that being said, Soundboard does some things that are really amazing. I did read up on Soundboard back when it was first announced, and the reason why it was important to me is because a friend of mine, uh, D.G. Hollams, who also is the co-host of the About the Church podcast, he and I were actually looking to actually find a developer to create that program. To, to actually to create something that was more similar to Pod Producer uh, in its ability to just queue up audio clips and and make a Mac program out of it, we never could find anybody. And uh, not to mention the fact that you know that would have just been a whole different ben- business venture at this point in the game that I probably would have not had time for. So, actually glad that we didn't. But here's the thing: Ambrosia Software made it, 
and it is awesome. It, it, it it's actually far exceeds anything that I would have ever hoped and dreamed to have building uh, for this program. And let me tell you another thing that it does. One of you drag an MP3 file onto this thing, or you open up an MP3. From what I understand, it actually goes in and decodes the file and keeps it open in an uncompressed format. So that when you push the button, it does not have to decode the MP3 file. It is it is ready to go. You push you push the button, and boom! Immediately, it it plays. Another couple things that it does that I liked about what I saw is that you can actually um, increase the pitch or slow down the pitch. Uh, you can other you can also run some other filters on it. Uh, very very neat, very well thought out. And from what I understand, you know, if I was a Mac person. You know, the 29, 25, or 21, 75, whatever it is, I would pay it. It looks like a wonderful piece of software, but I'm only saying that, and please understand, I have not touched it myself. Now, for those of you who have any connection to Ambrosia software whatsoever, I would encourage you to please tell them that I would love to have a free copy of that thing. And I, if, if it's as good as what I think it will be, it would just be an awesome investment for them to do that too, because uh, I'm certain that if I were to like it and I were to tell some folks, and I'm sure even just mentioning it here, uh, that, that they're already going to create and generate a couple sales after the 30-day trial ends. So it does look nice is what Daniel Lewis says in our chat room right now. And I would agree. I would agree. It does look nice. And I would imagine that they did a good job of implementing all those things that they talk about. All right, next up, we're going to uh, Max, who called in and has a question about bit rates. Here's what Max has to say. Hi, Cliff. Max here from the Airplane Geeks podcast. First, let me just mention that I'm really happy with the equipment I purchased from you. The Heil PR40 is fantastic, and I think it really complements my voice. The mixer and the digital recorder I already owned have taken podcasting to a whole new level for me, particularly since our show includes co-hosts on Skype, a guest on Skype, and pre-recorded segments from other contributors. I tell you, once you understand Mix Minus, it's like the fog has lifted. Oh, yeah. But my question relates to your recent comments on bitrate and MP3 encoders. We were using a 128K bitrate for the podcast MP3 in stereo, but as the length of the podcast grew to be over an hour, the file size got quite large. Now, the only stereo content in the recording was the intro, the outro, and a bit of brief bridge music here and there. The spoken audio was all mono. So to shrink the file size, I started converting the Wave working file to a mono MP3 file instead of stereo, and at a 64K bitrate instead of 128. The music is fine in mono, and the file size is effectively cut in half. And my logic is one mono channel at 64K is the same audio quality as stereo at 128K. So my question is, am I right that a 128K bitrate stereo MP3 is really just like two 64K channels? So a 64K mono version would have the same quality. By the way, I'm using iTunes to convert the WAV files to MP3. According to the Fraunhofer website, Apple uses the Fraunhofer software in iTunes. So keep up the great work, Cliff. I really enjoy listening to the podcast Answer Man. All right, Max, thank you so much for your audio feedback and some wonderful information and a question there. Is 64 kilobits mono the same as, uh, you know, or let's see here. Is it the same as two uh, stereo tracks of at 128 kilobits? Now, here's the thing. If you take a 128 kilobit stereo track 
and you cut it down to mono and still and still leave it at 128 kilobits, it is going to be the same file size as um, 64 bit stereo. It, the the file size is it, because that you're just doing the math there. I don't now. I am not a I am not a professional when it comes to understanding how all of these things work as far as um, when it comes to how the compression is exactly working. But I don't think it's the case that you're going to get the same quality. Here's the reason why. When you have an audio file, now it's, it's definitely going to give you the same file reduction, but you're not going to get the same quality. Because here's the thing. When you have a stereo file, you have a left channel and a right channel. And both. And let's just say you record it in uncompressed format, which or like a WAV file, for example. And, um, and, and Daniel's saying, no, you do. But anyway, let me tell you what I'm thinking. And, and if I'm, and I, and I'm completely willing to be wrong here. And, but here's what I'm thinking is if you take a WAV file and you actually compress that down to, uh, let's say 128 kilobits per second, it's actually compressing both the left channel and the right channel, both of those at 120 kilobits per second. So the left channel and the right channel are both getting the sound quality of a 128 kilobit sound file. Now, if you were to take that same um, that same file and convert that down to that stereo file and convert it down to, let's say, 56 kilobits per second, you're actually degrading the quality of both the left and right channel equally when you do that. So my thought is what you were uh, my thought is what you were saying is that well let's just say I take the um, the file and I convert it to mono and I go ahead and take that mono track and and do it at 56 kilo and I know you said 64 but let's t- take it down to 56 when it's like really noticeable as far as the de- degradation is it possible well actually it's 64 because it's half okay so let's just say 64 for this argument here so if you take that mono track and and compress it at 64 kilobits per second won't that sound the same exact quality as if it was 128 kilobits um, you know, in, in a stereo. I don't believe so. I, I believe that what happens is it's going to encode that just because it's only doing it to one track doesn't mean that it, you're still you're still only keeping, you know, one 100 or actually you're still only keeping 64,000 bytes of data in that in that thing. So I really believe that you know, when you create something at 64 kilobits, you're getting 64 kilobit audio quality, um, even if it's mono or stereo. It's just that if you do it in stereo, there's twice as much data there, so the file is twice the size. I hope that all made sense, but that's the way that I that I understand it. Uh, Daniel's in the chat room. He says, if each channel was encoded at 128K, then the real bit rate would be 256K. Hmm. Well, anyway, like I said, I I don't claim to have all the 100% answers to that particular question. You know, some would even question is like, well, gosh, Cliff, what kind of podcast answer man are you? You know, I, I, I think that the thing that most matters here is that you do this. You try compressing the file at 128K stereo. Try converting it over to 128 mono. 
compare the two. Then take your mono recording if you want and go ahead and drop it down to 64 kilobits per second. If you like it, then go for it. If it sounds like it's degrading the quality too much, bump it up to 96 kilobits per second. If it's still degrade, you know, if the quality is still too bad, bump it up to 128. What matters is that you get a sound that you're comfortable with, and certainly giving you using the Fraunhofer is much better than that Lame encoder. And by the way, thank you so much for the link that actually uh, does confirm that iTunes that iTunes, of all programs, is actually using the Fraunhofer uh, MP3 encoder. And he gave, you know, I asked him if he had some kind of confirmation for that. And uh, it, it, he did. He gave me the link to the, the website. And it says somewhere, doo, 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 of course, blah, da, da. I, I can't remember where it's at. I've got to find it. But um, it, it says here, if you want to, if you're an end user, by the way, Fraunhofer, the company, they do not... Uh, work directly with the public. So in essence, what happens is they said if you are an end user and you want to be able to encode things using the the Fraunhofer code, get iTunes and use that because they use the Fraunhofer encoder. So with that being said, in my in my future consulting from this point forward, when somebody's using Audacity to record their shows, and by the way, listen up, if you're a client of mine, a prior client of mine, uh, and if you've ever been uh, decided that you're using Audacity and you're converting your files using Audacity to MP3, stop. Go to iTunes, download it, go into the settings, and where it says import settings, uh, I want you to change that to MP3. I would suggest changing it to something like uh, 128 kilobits per second or 60, you know, you could even go down to 64 kilobits per second if you don't have a lot of music. Uh, and and tr- playing around with those. And what you do is you just drag it over to your library once you're done editing in Audacity. By the way, save it as a WAV file so it's uncompressed. And then um, drag it over, just right-click on the file, and there'll be an option to convert to MP3 once you have those settings set. And it will set, it will convert it at the bit rate that you chose in the preferences. Then you can just drag that right out of the library and do your uh, tagging. Actually, you can even tag it with uh, with iTunes, with your album artwork and your artist and album name and and uh, stuff like that, so you you can actually use iTunes. I I think I'm gonna for Fra- if I knew that Fraunhofer was in iTunes, I would have been suggesting this a long time ago. So this is good new information here, and uh, yeah, everybody should have. If if you don't have Adobe Audition, get iTunes and start using that to encode your files. Anyway, moving right along, uh, let's move on to Wayne Henderson's feedback, and here's what Wayne had to say. Hey, Cliff. Wayne here, calling in for the podcast answer, man. On your recent episode, you talked about the different uh, MP3 uh, conversion tools, like the Fraunhofer that Adobe uses versus the lame MP3 encoder that Audacity uses. And I wanted to check, because I've been having all kinds of problems with my Audacity, and I haven't saved up enough money to get the Adobe Audition yet because what I want to do is maybe run it on my Mac through a boot camp or parallels partition and install Windows and run it that way. But in the meantime, I wanted to check what do you think about the MP3 encoder that iTunes uses? If I record my podcast as a WAV file and then import it into iTunes and have iTunes converted into an MP3, does iTunes use the lame encoder or some other thing totally different? 
And while I'm on the subject, also, you know, recording straight into our digital audio recorders. I know you've got the Edderall, and I use the Zoom H4. Do you happen to know which MP3 encoder those two devices use when you record straight to MP3? Just some uh, great questions there. I'm, well, I need great answers from the podcast answer, man. This is Wayne. Talk to you later. Bye, Cliff. Thanks. Hey, no problem, Wayne. You know what? I I, I wish I could give you a better answer than this. Uh, although, I'm not exactly sure which encoders are being used when you use your Zoom H2 or your Tascam DR07 or your Edderall R-09. I do know this, though. The Edderall R-09 is using a better encoder than the Tascam DR07. Um, I haven't really done a lot with the Zoom H2, to be honest with you. I just did enough just to play with it for some clients of mine. Although, I, you know, this is something that's very interesting. I think I probably should call the tech support department of Edderall and Zoom and Tascam and see if I can't get them to tell me, you know, what what encoder did they license for use in their in their hardware. Uh, but there is definitely a difference. There is definitely a difference. And so I look forward to getting an opportunity to, to contact those companies and see if I can't work that out for you. But um, per your other question, uh, thanks to, to Max before, uh, it, it is confirmed that iTunes is using Fraunhofer. And I wonder, and I, I don't know this, and if anybody knows the answers to any of these questions, just because I'm the podcast answer man doesn't mean that I can't get some answers from you guys. So feel free to comment on the, on the blog and the show notes and everything. Um, let us know what you know about this stuff. Anyway, the question that I have for you guys is, is does GarageBand, since iTunes is using Fraunhofer, does GarageBand use Fraunhofer as well? That would be good to know. Anyway, so... Thanks again, Wayne, for calling in. I really do uh, enjoy getting your feedback and uh, looking forward to the return of Fringe, my friend, and uh, your podcast on that. All right, moving along to Brian, who called in, and this is what Brian had to say. He's wanting to know something about enhanced podcasts. Hey, Cliff. Brian McBeth here from the Kansas City area, calling in with a question for you, the podcast answer man. I listen to a ton of podcasts and have seen a few what is called enhanced podcast. I was wondering what your thoughts, ideas, and opinions were about enhanced podcast. I had an idea that I thought might work well with this, but wanted to hear from you on this subject. Thanks for the amazing show, and I look forward to buying equipment from you just as soon as I can save up the money. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. All right. Enhanced podcast, Brian. Um, You know... Let me just say this. I, I, I personally, and, and I hope I don't offend anybody here, and if you do an enhanced podcast and that's all you do, then you know, please understand this, that, that I don't mean any offense at all. But I personally, I don't, I don't really like enhanced podcasts. I, I really don't like them uh, personally. Now, I am subscribed to one enhanced podcast. As it's the only one. Now, I am subscribed to another podcast that's available both in MP3 version and also in iTunes locked down, uh, only works on the iPod enhanced version, which do you kind of catch a little bit of the reasons why I'm not too much of a fan of the enhanced podcast. But anyway, here's the thing. I, I prefer MP3. And if you give me an option, I'm going to choose MP3. Um, here, the, I was listening to a great friend, you know, this, this guy has a great podcast out of the UK, 
Uh, I'll even say the name, and, and, and please don't get upset with me, uh, Hewitt, but uh, it's, it's Bagel Tech News. I love it. Awesome sounding show. Wonderful sounding show. I love Bagel Tech News. And uh, the only thing is, is the, as far as I'm aware, it's only available in enhanced audio podcast format. Now they said something the other day. They gave, they were talking about this. Uh, they were talking about a problem with a router issue that they were having with their MacBook. And and he was, you know, the co-host of the show on the weekend show was actually talking about their experience with tech support. And I'm like, this this 40 seconds of his explanation about how he is working with uh, this tech support is perfectly indicative of a problem that I had. And I love how he says, oh, and it's finally, it's all great, and I only lose my connection every now and then. <laughs> and it's like, but that takes you back to the problem you was having before. And and so um, I, I, I desperately wanted to grab, you know, 40 seconds of that audio file. And I wanted to bring it in, just edit that part out, and I wanted to bring it into my Help I Got a Mac show. And what I would have done, had I had the ability to do that, is I would have promoted them to high heaven. I was, I was, I would have said, guys, you have to be subscribed to, you know, Bagel Tech News. And, you know, I probably could have added another 300, 500 subscribers to their podcast if I was able to do that. But when I actually went in to pull the file down, it's like, oh, it's AAC or whatever the, the enhanced audio format is, and it won't open up an audition. I can't go edit it out. The only thing I could have done is I could have actually downloaded the file. I could have opened it up with QuickTime or iTunes. I could have drug it over to the spot where I wanted to find that clip, and I could have hit play. And maybe I should have done that if I really wanted it that bad. But do you see how even as I wanted to promote them by just grabbing a clip from their show, I couldn't grab just that little piece because of the file format it was in. Or I could have done it in GarageBand. But I'm a PC guy for the most part. So I didn't want to have to deal with all that. Here's the other thing. Not everybody has an iPod. Not everybody. In fact, you know, there's a ton. Believe it or not, there are a ton of people who have $35 MP3 players, you know, that are practically disposable that people use all the time. And they just drag their, you know, they use software. They can even use iTunes, subscribe to the content, get it downloaded, and they just drag it right on over into the onto this little device and they, they walk out the door with it. You're not going to do that with an enhanced podcast. And your enhanced podcasts are mostly audio-driven anyway, and sure, you know, there's occasion when I'm actually walking down through my neighborhood and I'm listening to Bagel Tech News and he says, and if you're looking at the screen right now, you can see, you know, a little fi- picture of this. It's a little, you know, 300 by 300 image of, of the gadget he might be talking about. But it, it's not that great. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's not a close-up picture. And, and if I really wanted to see it, I could just go to the website and see it in the show notes. And... So I'm really not a fan of Enhanced Podcast because it's not available for everybody. And and so then there is one podcast that does this. They have an Enhanced Podcast, but they also have an MP3 version of their podcast. Now, what they've done is they have two different feeds. They have the, you know, they have the such and such show, Super Enhanced, or the such and such MP3 version. And for folks who are searching for your podcast and and they don't even know what a podcast is yet... It, it, I think it only further confuses them. Do I want the enhanced? Well, of course I want enhanced. I mean, if if you got the standard version or the 
enhanced version. I want the enhanced version. I want the better version. And so let's just say that person who really doesn't understand a whole lot about file formats, they go to try your enhanced version. They download an episode of it, drag it over to their little tiny Walmart um, you know, or Best Buy gadget MP3 player, and lo and behold, it says, I'm sorry, we can't play this. And guess what? Your your chance of being a you know a, a, having a new listener may be shot because of the fact that Enhanced Podcast did not play for them. So not everybody even has iTunes. And believe it or not, this this is it may be a shock to some. Not even everybody has QuickTime. And so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things to think about there. And um, if if I were a podcaster and I were looking to you know if I only had uh, an enhanced version of my podcast, and I had a very awesome podcast, and I were looking to improve or to increase the number of people who have access and will access my show on a consistent basis. I would, I would dump personally. I would dump the enhanced version, which only takes me a little bit longer to add all those images anyway, and just export the thing out as an MP3 file and make it available for the entire world to share. Anyway, so not that I have an opinion on that and anything, but Brian, I hope that that helps you out. I would say, my friend, just do MP3. Uh, and if, if your video or your graphical aids to go with your content are so important, create an audio version and create a video version. Uh, and, and, and just make it a little video podcast. I mean, and, and, and at least then you can create it and, and put it in flash on your, on your site without having QuickTime installed. So anyway, a bunch of things to think about there. All right. One last call. I think this is just a testimonial here from, uh, Steve McQueen. Let's see what Steve had to say. Hey Cliff, this is Steve McQueen, voice of the motorcycle nation podcast. And I just wanted to call in today to let everybody know that, um, I just received my Heil PL2T microphone boom arm that I purchased from you uh, a couple of days ago. I want everybody to know it's very, very fast service. And you even provided me with a tracking number when I requested it. And all that happened extremely fast. And customer service is second to none. And the quality of the product that I've received and the packaging are, are just uh, excellent. So, again, thanks, Cliff. And... Um, I appreciate all that you do for us, and you have a great day. Everybody in the GSPN community, plus membership rocks, and join the community. All right. Steve, thank you so much for that. And, uh, you know, it's just a pleasure and an honor to be able to do what I do for a living. And I love consulting with people. I love selling audio equipment that helps people get the sound and, and quality that they're looking for. You know, somebody left a comment recently on my Facebook uh, page on, on my profile and said, hey, Cliff, don't be upset with me, but I went and found an all-inclusive podcasting kit, and the reason why I bought it over here is because it was only, you know, a couple hundred bucks and, and I was on a tight budget. Um, if that happens to be the perception of anybody that I only sell Heil PR40s and Ederol digital recorders and and expensive gear, please understand that's not the case. Um, in fact, I, I work with everybody. I've had I have people who say, "Hey, Cliff, I'm looking at your podcast Answer Man website over at podcastanswerman.com forward slash equipment, and uh, I'm looking at buying podcast Answer Man package number seven. And I sit there and I have a conversation with those people, and I look at this and I'm like. 
okay, you don't need this and you don't need this. And in fact, I would ins- I would suggest let's replace this mixer with the smaller mixer because it's going to give you some additional benefits if you go with this one over this one. And it as and it, and oftentimes, you know, the end result is that we knock off a couple hundred dollars of what they were originally anticipating spending. Now, um and and not only that, but I've actually helped people start podcasting uh, you know, really for as little as 150 bucks. Now, um, they, they start out very similar with the audio quality that I started back out, you know, in 2005, but you know, Hey, I got started, didn't I? Everybody has to start somewhere. And if you've got a budget to work with, you know, chances are I'll be able to try to help you figure out something and you don't have to, you don't have to skimp and get a USB condenser microphone. It, it, it's just not that way, my friends. So I'd love to help you if you're looking for equipment sales. If you want consulting on how to do some things, uh, uh, just let me know. I'd love to work with you. And also, just so you know, I'm already in the process of doing three of my 100-point evaluations, podcast evaluations. That's where I basically offer for $149. Uh, you can submit um, a your any of your most recent podcast episodes for me to listen to. I'll listen to one full episode from beginning to end. I will take a look at your website, your iTunes listing, your RSS feed, your uh, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, and I am going to take it and evaluate it upon 100 different aspects uh, and really break it down. And so if you're interested in something like that, I'm already doing that for three individuals. I'd love to help um, you know, see if there's anything we can do to, to improve uh, your effectiveness uh, for making things easier for people to connect with your content and uh, maintain long-time, lifetime relationships with you as the content producer. That is all I have this week, my friends. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. And uh, I want to say a special thank you to those of you who are in the chat room today. We do record live every Thursday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. here at gspn.tv forward slash live. If you want to see the full schedule of what shows are being recorded and when, you can go to gspn.tv slash schedule. Check out socialmediaserenity.com, socialmediaserenity.com. I'd love to have you check out that podcast. If you listen to it, send us some feedback, either for this show or any of our shows at 859-795-4067. God bless. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.